Another chapter of love is Romans 16, and we'll read verses 1 through 20, which we can call the church directory of the church at Rome, or at least a partial church directory. Romans 16, page 1129 in your pew Bibles. Page 1129, Romans 16, 1 through 20. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sancreae, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca, and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Adronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They're well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachus. Greet Apellus, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodion. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermas, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. This is God's word. May he bless us by it and give us understanding, but also enable us to apply it to our lives, Romans 16, 1 through 20. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, reading Romans 13 or 16 is a bit like reading a church directory from a church that you don't know. There's all these names, all these families, and you know each name comes with a story, and you're somewhat Intrigued by what you see in those names and yet not fully aware what's all involved. But this you know. 
that this church directory is a miracle of grace. A miracle of every church directory is a miracle of grace. That God, through Christ Jesus, by the Spirit's power, has brought together a whole bunch of people from a whole bunch of backgrounds with all their strengths and weaknesses, their gifts and idiosyncrasies, and forged them into a family. And when you look at this list, and you think about a person considering becoming a Christian, And often one of the worries that such a person faces is, what about my family? And what about my friends? What if I lose them all if I become a Christian? But Romans 16 reminds us of what Jesus once said to his disciples. Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. That whoever has to let go of family and friends because they come to Christ, they will find more family and friends than they ever had before. And Romans 16 is that family. Paul likely lost all his family and friends when he embraced Jesus Christ. Yet by grace through faith, he gained so many more. And you see that in all these personal connections and friendships in this beautiful partial church directory of the Roman congregation. It's a congregation he hasn't even met yet but he's had occasion to meet or hear about or correspond with so many of them. Let's learn in this chapter to welcome into our lives and receive with joy and celebrate one another. It's really the takeaway. Let's learn in this chapter to welcome into our lives and receive with joy and celebrate our church family. We are a miracle. Doesn't matter whether you particularly like or dislike somebody or agree or disagree with somebody. That was true in Rome too. We are a miracle of God's grace. and to be celebrated. We share the same God, the same Christ, the same good news, the same inheritance. And so we see here, enjoy God's gift of Christian friends, first by welcoming his servants, secondly by greeting his people, and thirdly, by avoiding his opponents. By welcoming the servants of Jesus Christ. Look at verses 1 and 2. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church of Sancreae, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints, and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. 
I recommend to you, or I commend to you, our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church. Some of you might have in your margins a deaconess. Is Phoebe a servant of the church at Sancreae or a deaconess? Because the word for servant here is diakonos. And often that word is used generally for anybody who serves. And a few times it's words used specifically for the office of deacon. So is she a servant in general? Or is she a deaconess? Sadly, the beauty of these verses often get lost in that controversy. And my answer to this is that it could be either. She's either an unordained deaconess, we read of them in 1 Timothy 5, a widow specially designated by the deacons to help people with personal care. She's either an unordained deaconess or a servant of the church in Sancreae in general. Doesn't matter. The main point is that Paul has appointed a lady, Phoebe, a great lady, a wealthy lady, to take these 16 chapters that he's written, it wasn't divided in chapters at this time, to take this scroll of the book of Romans and carry it hundreds of miles west from Sancreae near Corinth all the way to Rome. And he gives her that task. Wow, that is Phoebe's task. Whoever thinks Paul has a low view of women, because he does forbid them to serve as pastors, elders, and ordained deacons in the church. Whoever thinks Paul has a low view of women, it's not just Paul that has this view of only men serving in the ordained offices that's found across scripture. But whoever thinks Paul has a low view of women has not looked carefully at all his letters where he clearly, like the Lord Jesus himself, values the service of women in the body of Christ and in the spread of the gospel. Remember Philippians 4, where Paul refers to Yodia and Syntyche, two women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel. And then in Romans 16, there are eight women named in this church directory of people working hard in the gospel. And Phoebe is one of them, a wealthy woman, a patron, we read in verse 2. A patron of Paul and many others in the spirit of the gospel. You say, well, what's a patron? A patron is a loyal supporter who gives you financial backing a loyal supporter who helps fund your mission. That's who Phoebe is. A wealthy lady who has used her riches to support the gospel and build up the family of God. She has used her wealth well. This lady also has the means then to gather a team of people to go with her on that dangerous journey to Rome and visit the church there and bring the letter. What an excellent treasure she was to the early church. Not just Sancreae, but beyond. 
And what a wonderful work the Lord has done in her life to fill her heart by his spirit, to love the gospel so that there's an outflowing of support for world mission and gospel ministry. And all through history, God has raised up many women and men like her who are willing and ready to use their wealth like Phoebe did. What about us? The wealth that God has given to us, are we ready to use it well first for the advance of the gospel, for global mission, for the building up of the church of Jesus Christ? And what's Paul's desire for the church of Rome? That they welcome Phoebe in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints. Give her a saint's reception. This lady has been saved by Jesus. This lady serves Jesus Christ. She's offered her life to the advance of the gospel. And even though she's from a church far away and you don't know her, When she comes, you do know her. She's a fellow believer, and she is to be honored. It is important to honor saints from other churches, even though you may not know them, especially when they come in the name of Jesus to bring the gospel to you. And Paul says, take care of her, give her good hospitality, treat her royally, help her get around while she's visiting you, It's not just the job of one or two. The whole church is being told, take care of her, welcome her. Let everyone participate in the welcome of saints from other places, including missionaries and mission workers who come to you in the name of the Lord. Secondly, enjoy God's gift of Christian friends not just by welcoming the servants of Christ from other places, but by greeting his people in your own place. There follows verses 3 and following 3 through 16, a long list of saints. Male, female, older, younger, people who serve in different ways, people with slave names, people with Greek names, people with Roman names, people with Jewish names, people from all over the place. And Paul is sending greetings from himself and his missionary team over there from Corinth to the church in Rome, telling them, now I want you to go to all these various members in your congregation and recognize them as God's servants and participants in the spread of the gospel and the building of the church and greet them. Give them a holy kiss. What do we see here? We see here the beauty of the body of Christ, a treasure trove of diverse believers who all in some way serve the gospel and build up the body of Christ. I want us to notice six things from this list, from the 26 people named here. Number one, What stands out most prominently is their relationship to the Lord. How often Paul explicitly mentions in one way or another how they're related to Jesus. Phoebe should be welcomed in the Lord. 
Verse 2. Three, Prisca and Aquila are fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They're united to Jesus. Five, Eponidas is the first convert to Christ in Asia. Imagine that. Somebody had to be first in all of Asia, Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. It's Eponidas. It's worth remembering. And then verse 7, Adronicus and Junia. They were in Christ before me. They're in Christ. I'm Pleatus, my beloved in the Lord. What a title. My loved one in the Lord. Verse 9, Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. Verse 10, Apelles, approved in Christ. Now, that's a loaded expression. Approved means he's been through some severe tests. His faith has gone through the furnace. And the Lord has held on to him. He has persevered. And his faith has been proved genuine and sincere. That's worth remembering. Apelles. Look at verse 12. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. They gotta be female twins. That's just a guess. Tryphena and Tryphosa. 12, greet Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. And Rufus, meaning redhead, chosen in the Lord. Oh, they're all elect, but this is the expression he uses for Rufus. Now, the only other Rufus we know, and we think it's the same guy. Do you know the other reference to Rufus, redhead in the Bible? Simon of Cyrene compelled to carry the cross of Jesus to Calvary. And he's called there in Mark, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Likely the same Rufus, we can't say for sure. Rufus, chosen in the Lord. But a beautiful catalog of Christ's grace where he has bought them with his blood. He's brought them into a relationship with himself by his spirit and word. And they belong to Jesus. That's first for him. These belong to Jesus. And when we see the blood that bought them and the spirit that brought them, we will be more careful to speak about one another and to one another and to treat one another in a holy way. Brothers and sisters, we can be so cavalier and reckless in how we talk about each other as if they're just pieces of meat. But when we recognize they're created in the image of God and more than that, they belong to Jesus. They're his blood-bought children, my brother, my sister, even that I'm disagreeing with. That changes everything when I see whose they are and makes me so careful that I don't tread on them. And that I don't besmirch with my tongue or my actions anyone who belongs to Christ. 
He is Christ's. She is Christ's. Let's honor him. Let's honor her. The second thing. We first see their relationship to the Lord. The second thing that stands out in this list is their diversity of gender, social standing, and ethnic background. Back in those days, culture was rigidly stratified into various segments that did not cross lines to fellowship with each other. Jews and Gentiles kept their distance. Men looked down on women as inferior human beings. Slaves and masters didn't talk to each other as equals. Greeks and Romans didn't like each other because the Greeks were viewed as barbarians. The Romans' higher culture. But Paul crosses all these boundaries by faith. In Jesus, they're all one. And he doesn't care who they are and where they're from and what social standing and what gender they are. As he says in Galatians 3.28, there's no Jew nor Greek, male nor female, Slave nor free, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Yes, there remain distinctions in gender and gifts and calling and station. And we respect these, but they do not divide us or keep us apart. So we note their diversity. And yet, they're united as one family. That's what Christ's blood does. Thirdly, notice their service to the Lord. We've already talked about Phoebe. She's a patron of Paul and many others in the service of the gospel. But look at Prisca and Aquila. Prisca is a short form for Priscilla. My fellow workers in the Lord. We meet Priscilla and Aquila in Rome. They got chased out in the year 49 when when there was rioting in Rome. And and the Caesar kicked them all, all the Jews out of Rome. They went to Corinth. And Paul lived with them for many months and did tent making with them. Then they went to Ephesus and Paul worked with them again there. My fellow workers. And then he says, they risked their lives for me. They risked their necks for my life. The picture he uses is they were willing to put their head down their neck on a stone, and be willing to take the axe and have their head chopped off for Paul if that's what God would require. We talked about that this morning with Joab and Israel risking so much, or the ambassadors going to to the Ammonites to risk so much to bring a message of kindness and ask again the question, how much am I willing to risk for the sake of the gospel? How Valuable is the gospel to me. How valuable is the building up of the church to me? How much am I willing to put on the line? Or is it always for me safety first? As in me first. When it comes to the gospel, Jesus first. Health and safety somewhere later. It doesn't mean we have a right to be reckless. It does mean we're called to risk our necks for the gospel. 
And then look at those statements about hard work. Greet Mary, verse 6, who has worked hard for you. Notice her service. Adronicus and Junius, verse 7, my kinsmen and fellow prisoners. They also have gone to prison for the faith like Paul. Maybe in the same place, perhaps in Caesarea or Rome. And well known to the apostles. Verse 9, Urbanus, our fellow worker. Tryphena and Tryphosa, verse 12, workers in the Lord. Persis, who worked hard in the Lord. All these hard workers for the gospel. That means they have their careers, they have their vocations, they work hard in that. But in all their hard work, they're always working for the gospel. They're always seeking to build the body of Christ. They're always seeking to contribute to world mission, to local evangelism. Hard workers. Oh, may God fill every church director with hard workers from beginning to end. So notice their service to the Lord. What the Holy Spirit of Jesus does when he brings faith, when he saves a person, Note number four, their relationships to one another as house churches. There are as many as five house churches named here. Verse five, greet the church that is in their house, Prisca and Aquila. Verse 10, greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Perhaps that's referring to a house church. We can't say that for sure. Verse 11, greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Perhaps another example of a house church. But then look at 14 and 15, verses 14 and 15. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister in Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Here's the picture of the church at Rome. One congregation. But until the third century, there were really no church buildings. They didn't have that luxury. They met as house churches, groups of 50 or less. The church at Rome was a bunch of house churches serving under one leadership, one group of elders and deacons, but gathering in different house churches across the city. And that's the picture here, their relationship to each other. And then number five, note the name onlys. Some are named and nothing else is said about them. Herodion in verse 11. And then the names in verses 14 and 15. Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, the brothers who are with them, Philologus, Julia, Nereus, his sister, Olympus, all the saints. We don't, nothing is said about them. Their work, their character, they're just there. They're just in the directory. There's an important thing to learn from this too. These people are important, not because of what they do or because of their gifts, just because they're part of the family of God. That's why they matter, and that's why they must be greeted, and at the end, that's how we ought to love one another as the saints. It's not your name, not your gifts, not all your accomplishments and all your achievements. 
It's that you're a member of the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's why you matter to me as a fellow believer. And then one more thing, the importance of greeting one another. Verse 16, greet one another with a holy kiss. I haven't seen a lot of that around here. I haven't been doing a lot of that either. Some translations tone that down to a hearty handshake. Greet one another with a hearty handshake. Another one I have is greet one another with a warm welcome, and I much prefer those translations, except they're not accurate. This refers to a practice of friendship still known in many parts of the world where people greet one another not with an erotic kiss, that's the difference here, but a holy kiss with touching the side of the face and perhaps the nose. And Paul is teaching the members of the church at Rome, you should all be in the habit of greeting one another, not just because we're asking you to greet so-and-so. Now you get together all your congregation gathered in different house churches and make every effort to give a warm, hearty greeting of Christian love to everyone you meet. And especially if somebody you find somebody irritating. Make a special effort to give a, a holy kiss or a hearty welcome to them just to make sure that your bonds in Christ are remaining strong. Now that's my addition, but that's the idea. The holy kiss, the hearty handshake, but the greeting is a visible expression of friendship and speaks volumes and does a lot to help keep connections strong. And if you're in a spot where you are avoiding all handshaking, and I'm not talking about a Sunday where you're not feeling well, but you just don't do that. I want to urge you to read this chapter, to hear this command, and to know how important it is for each one of us to give a hearty greeting to as many people as we can every Lord's Day. And you can't do that to everybody, but often we walk away having done almost none of it. And that's just not right. And that actually hurts the fellowship. When you think about how much the greeting helps fellowship, encourages it, reaffirms it. Just think, if I say I respect you as my brother in Christ, I value you as my brother of Christ, that means something. But if I give you a really firm and heartfelt handshake, suddenly... I just confirm that to you. Now, think of the impact of this list of names of the church at Rome. There they are, separated into their Jewish corner, the Gentile corner, staying away from each other, arguing with each other. 
And then Paul rushes in with his greeting and verbally hugs everyone. And he's saying, you know what? It's easy for churches to get into a spot over time where, well, there gets to be some history, right? He said this to me. She said that to me. He did this. She did that. And you sort of get put into your separate corners and you just kind of ignore each other, bypass each other, don't have anything to do with each other anymore. And the apostle saying, no, no, get back into greeting one another. Get back into valuing one another, appreciating one another as the miracle that we are as the family of God. Get out of your corner. Enjoy the friendship. He's saying that to the church at Rome. It's time to renew your love for and your appreciation for one another. To do friendship, to do fellowship, to put away the petty things that has stuck you, got you stuck in a corner. Can you give a hearty, warm, heartfelt greeting to every member of the congregation that you meet? Do you want to? Is that what you look to do? This is the gospel desire. This is what Jesus does in a believer. And this is what we need to pray for, that the Spirit renews this in us if we're getting lost. But there are limits. Third point. Enjoy God's gift of Christian friendship But avoid God's opponents in this greeting. A greeting, remember, is a greeting. It's not just being nice to people, regardless of who they are or what they do. It's an act of friendship in Christ. But it's not a call to put away all discernment. It's not a giant group hug for anybody who wants to join in. No, There are some who want to join the group hug, says Paul, that need to be avoided. Don't greet them. But watch out for them. Stay away from them. Avoid them. They need to be loved in a different kind of way. The love of discipline and rebuke. Look at verses 17 through 19. I appeal to you, brothers... To watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. He's not talking about giving a greeting to a person from the world who does not consider himself part of the body of Christ. He's talking about those who insist that they're part of the body when by their deeds and their beliefs, they're not in line with the body of Christ and with the teaching of the gospel. 
So Paul says here, those who are actively working to bring false teaching into the congregation, to sow division into the body of Christ, to oppose what is being taught according to the true faith, these should not be greeted but avoided. They should be watched carefully. They should be kept away from the flock. They should not be included in the greeting. Because their talk is smooth. They say nice things they don't mean. That's flattery. And they do this to deceive naive people. And for the well-being of the church, you must not welcome them or greet them in the Lord, but oppose them as dangerous wolves who are trying to devour the flock. And so our welcoming one another must always be wise as to what is good and innocent to what is evil, Paul says in verse 19. It must be discerning. And then he adds this line, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Satan likes to worm his way into the church of Jesus Christ through false teaching Godless living and division. And by avoiding such people, you're actually stomping on Satan's head. Actually, God is stomping on Satan's head, but he's using your foot to do it. That's what he's saying. And we always want to stomp on Satan's head. And God intends us, dear people, his people, his holy congregation to be involved in his work of destroying Satan. Also by the people that we are to avoid and the teachers we are to reject who are bringing the false gospel. He uses our boots. He uses our discipline. He uses our rebukes. So brothers and sisters, let's enjoy God's gift of Christian friendship without forgetting to be watchful and let's celebrate the bonds that we have in Christ. The miracle of the church directory. The miracle of the church family. Including churches all over the world because he goes beyond the church at Rome. Because this is the family God has chosen. The people Christ has bought. The people the spirit is gathering. The household God is building. Let's enjoy that. Right here. Amen. Father in heaven. We thank you for the miracle of the family of God. And for that great salvation through Jesus Christ that brought us in. And for the bonds that we have in the Holy Spirit connecting us one to another. And for the gifts given to each member to serve the building up of the body for the glory of God. Help us to remember and appreciate once again what we have in the church directory, what we have as the family of God and what we have in congregations of Jesus Christ all over the world. 
Help us to celebrate that. Help us to be busy greeting one another and growing together in the power of your spirit through the gospel. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.